We celebrate the independence of our nation on this day, 4th of July. And uh, this particular year is at a time when our nation, I believe, is under attack more severely than World War II. Uh, because that war didn't make it really to our shores. But the war that we're in now has absolutely targeted the United States, the principalities, the powers. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. but Our battle is with these principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. And they've come to destroy America, make no mistake about it. And in order to do that, they have to destroy Christianity if they can now, you may think right now they're just going after the schools and they're just going after certain institutions and statues and other things, but trust me, they're coming after you. Christianity cannot thrive. Well, it always thrives, but from their point of view, they would, they would prefer to wipe Christianity completely out. Let them try. I heard it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I've never done this exactly, but I don't remember when the last time the 4th of July fell on a Sunday. Now, first off, let's pledge our allegiance to God. You can just say after me, Father, I pledge my allegiance to you and to my Lord Jesus Christ and to the Holy Spirit that you've sent. You are my first love. I serve you. With all that I am, all that I have, I pledge my allegiance to you. Hallelujah. Now, if you believe at all, which I do, that this country was founded for the, the sake of spreading the gospel. I looked it up, by the way, in between the services. John Winthrop is the man that I had in mind. He's uh, one of the waves of the pilgrims from New England, from uh, England to New England. He is the first one to write that phrase about the United States, that if we obey God and seek to serve Him, that this country would become like a city set on a hill, like Jesus talks about in Matthew 5. Let your light so shine. The United States was to be a country that served God and was blessed by God so all the other nations would look and understand there was a difference. Now, Regardless of current leadership, this flag has been around a long time more than them. And I personally believe this country belongs to God. If you don't mind, you don't have to do this, but I'm going to stand, face our American flag, put my hand on my heart. Now, under God, I am going to pledge my allegiance. Would you please stand? And I don't hear it every day in school. I don't think they do it every day like they did when I grew up. First thing that happened there every morning over the intercom, we stood and pledged the allegiance. And then there was a prayer when I started school. So just say after me, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hallelujah. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I love the songs, God Bless America, and all of those phrases. But what I'm hearing now, what, what needs to happen is America needs to bless God. 
America needs to return back to our God. And uh, at the 8.30 service, uh, yes, sir, okay, hang on. Okay, we're going to start with uh, Psalms 11 again. Just go ahead and turn there. I think I'm the closest I've been in many years to true intercession to the point I can hardly function. And it's for revival. And it's for this country because there is no other hope. He has had me studying recently more than I ever had before. I've read them before, but not over and over again like he's having me now read 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, looking at the death of, of Israel. And the progression out of God's blessings. And uh, oh, I see patterns there that I see the same patterns here. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, a little bit maybe, if the Lord allows. But see, we're under attack. And the attack is coming from inside the United States. And they are absolutely attacking the very foundations that this country was established on, which it was a regard. It's not perfect. There's been problems. I agree with you. I know that. It can be better. I know that too. But still yet, the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And that's how this nation was founded. Now, it drifted far away, I think. But God is calling us back to himself as a nation the same way he called Israel. So Psalm 11 is written by David, and this was during the period of time when King Saul was trying to kill him. He'd already been anointed to be king by Samuel, the prophet, but Saul was still king at the time. And Saul would try and kill David. And so if you can imagine David... Hiding at this, you know, running at, uh, him and his men in caves, and and uh, you talk about persecution. The king is after you, <laughs> not just anybody. The king is after you, and he's wanting to kill you. So, <clears throat> with that in mind, see if they kill you, they destroyed your foundations. Uh, well, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying, it's serious. Snuff you out, you're gone. That's what they want to do with America. The America that I know. So Psalm 11. In the Lord put I my trust. How say you to my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountain. In other words, run away. I hope I'm saying it right. Psalm 11. I see. Okay. See, I believe that's what's going on right now. The enemy is just trying to get all of us Christians to just fly away, shut up, go home, and be silent. I am not going to walk off into the darkness. We're going to let the light shine. But you can tell that that's what his soul, the persecution against David, he goes, why do you say to my soul, fly away? Verse 2, for lo, the wicked bend their bow. Boy, they're on attack. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. Boy, are they doing that. They're turning turning everything upside down. They call evil good. They call good evil. They call darkness light. They call light darkness. And here's the verse. Verse 3. 
if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And in my 74 years, I've never seen such an attack on the very foundations of the fabric of our society. To the point, they're coming against our children, the little children. Talk about attacking the foundation. Make them wonder, are you a boy or are you a girl? Like, there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute. I'm telling you, there is absolute truth. Father, thy word is truth. It does not change. It is absolute. That is the foundations that this nation was founded upon. Now, with problems, I understand from the beginning there was problems. Trust me, when you got saved, there were problems. <laughs> He's been working on you. You know, been working on this nation too. But if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And it's left open-ended. Like, what's the answer? Well, the answer is verse 4. See, because the Lord, He didn't fly away like a bird. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. Plain English, nothing takes Him by surprise. He is fully aware of what's going on. He sees what the enemy's doing. Now the Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loves violence his soul hates. And upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Now we haven't seen that yet, and I don't know what form it will take because our battle is not with flesh and blood but with principalities and powers. But I, that verse tells me God is going to fight for us. God is going to fight. We, he is going, when we pray, God moves. I am going to read a prophecy by Kenneth Hagin where he specifically talks about our job. This, he made this prophecy in 1980, but it could have been spoken this week. It is so to the point exactly what we're going through right now. And he gives us the answer what to do. So, verse 6 again. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loves righteousness. His countenance, and that means his face, does behold the upright. He is looking at you full face you are the apple of his eye he says he's got you in the old testament it's like he's got you tattooed on the palm of his hand you know he's got his thoughts can't even be numbered the amount of thoughts that he has for you all the time i want to read the prophecy by kenneth hagan this came forward in 1980 um, i had never heard it before which surprised me so i wanted to verify it that it was genuine and where I found it was Billy Brim's website. And most of you know she's been affiliated with Rama forever. So if it's at her website, I think we can trust it. As far as being from Kenneth Hagin. So he says, the end of the age is coming. Now this is 1980. But the end of the age is coming upon this generation. The powers of darkness... The forces of evil are rampant as never before. And they will be increased in intensity and velocity. 
Would you say that's true since 1980? <laughs> oh my Lord. Intensifying like crazy. Back to the prophecy. And, and even many Christians will see and look upon these things and they will say, Oh, there's just no use. They'll throw up their hands in futility and say, Well, I guess it's all over. We'll just have to hold on and pray for Jesus to come shortly. Because the devil is about to take over everything. If you look in the natural, that's sure the way it looks. Okay, I'm not going to try. I'm going to try not to comment as much as I did the first time. It's hard. For back to the prophecy, it's only a part of a page, so you're pretty safe. But thus saith the Lord. See, he said many people are just going to give up and say that well, the devil's just going to take over. But thus saith the Lord, In this day I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. I will raise up a new band. I will raise up a new army. Now notice. Who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness. What is this army's first function that the Lord mentions? Prayer. Taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and making supplication and prayers for all saints in the Spirit. Prayer is part of the weapons, is one of the weapons we have of our warfare. Prayer. Jim Martin did a, Pastor Jim Martin, excuse me, Dr. Jim Martin, did a message a week or two ago called... Uh, I don't remember the exact title, but roughly it says this. We can no longer be okay with unanswered prayer. Now I take that in every realm. Praying for the lost. Praying for the sick. Praying for this country. The church has got accustomed to unanswered prayer. And that's not okay. And God's been raising up this people for a long time. This prophecy came in 1980. Raising up a people that would know how to pray. And he's going to get very specific what kind of prayer he's talking about here in a few minutes. A few sentences. Okay, I'm going to read that paragraph again. Try not to comment so much. But thus saith the Lord. Oh my. <clears throat> I, have not, I don't remember having exactly this... Enter this in me before. Sue's known me forever, and this is not normal. But there is a there is a groaning that I can't even articulate. I, can't, I don't know. It's got to be joining in somehow with the Holy Ghost, with these groanings that Dad Hagen mentions here. But it, uh, the time is upon us, people. The time for playing church is over. You're not even in, I don't even want to call you church people, you're an army. That's what he called you. And the weapons are war, of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So he says, I'll raise up a new band, I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness. And the light will dispel the darkness, and the truth will set men free. And prayer will break the bonds that bind men's minds and spirits and bodies. 
Hallelujah. Yea, there are those who will learn to take their place hurriedly. And it must be hurriedly. It must be. Quickly it must be that they learn. That they enter in quickly to stand against the forces of darkness. And evil that will try and come against the land. Now notice. Evil that will try and come against the land. Against the church. And against the home. You talk about the foundations. If this keeps going the way the devil wants it to go, not only are they going to be teaching perversion to your kindergartens, they're going to take your kindergartens away from you, Christian. And the state wants to raise them the way China is doing so much now. Re-education camps. Because Christian, you can't be trusted to teach what the state approves. I'm telling you, that is the plan of the enemy. You better know it. In America, in America, read that sentence again, that they enter in quickly to stand against the forces of darkness and evil that will try and come against the land, against the church, and against the home, that would try and disrupt and destroy all that is good and all that God has endorsed. That's exactly what those spirits want. But the hand of the Lord, who is, who is the hand of the Lord? It's a who. It's the Holy Ghost. If I cast out devils with the finger of God, bling. <laughs> I like that. It just takes a finger, bling. But the hand of the Lord, God the Holy Ghost, is upon those who will listen and at the urge of God in the Spirit to those who are attentive, they will pray. Now listen to this. The Spirit of God will help you to pray. Do not try to do it yourself. What kind of prayer could that possibly be? Don't try and do it yourself. The Spirit of God will help you to pray. Let's see. When we know not what to pray as we ought, the Spirit itself makes intercession for the saints with groanings that cannot be uttered. I'm not quoting it exactly, but you know Romans 8:26. Don't try and do it yourself. He didn't say this, but I, I, if he was talking to Gary, I would put in parentheses because Gary, you don't, you're not smart enough to know what to pray. You're not smart enough. God is smart enough. Now he mentions it again in this last paragraph. Though there must be labor on your part, yet at the same time rest in Him. Let, now, in context, prayer, let the Spirit flow through you like a river. Oh, let's see. If there was only any prophecies where God had called a group of people to come and be alone with Him and spend time in the chambers of prayer. and let Oh, that would be us. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy to come and spend that time in prayer. Especially, pray. you can pray in English you can, or your known language. But letting the Holy Spirit pray through you like a river, hours upon hours. Though there must be labor on your part, Yet at the same time, rest in Him. 
Let the Spirit flow through you like a river. Like a mighty wave. Let it flow through you. Give vent to those innermost groanings. Listen, when you come to those prayer times, don't try and make it happen. I've, I've been in services where they try and get you to groan in on your own. Listen, the Holy Spirit, I've had it a few times. I think I'm having it some right now. I think if I had, if I was by myself, I think I would have some of those groanings right now. Let Him do it. But hey, we understand you can come here and groan all you want. We'll agree with you. We won't think you're strange or weird. He says, let it vent, give vent to those innermost groanings. Let them escape your lips. Take the time. To get alone and wait. Sometimes not even saying anything. But in but on the inside of you there is an agonizing. There is a flowing out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit to the Great Spirit, the Father of Spirits. And thou shalt be sustained, thou shalt be kept, and thy family and thy home will be sure and stand fast. And thy children shall grow up strong and stalwart in the Lord, and they shall have no fear. Well, hallelujah. That could have been spoken this week. I mean, if that doesn't perfectly describe the hour and the time that we live in. And the Holy Spirit, no wonder, starting, what, a year and a half, two years ago, something? Come, gather, pray. Gather yourselves together. Pray. Make corporate prayer. Of course, you can pray in your known language. Yes, sir. See, now there's many watching that live in other countries. And you say, well, you're talking about the USA. Well, that's a country I live in. Let me ask you about your country. What do you think God wants for your country? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The same Holy Spirit dwells in you. The same Holy Spirit knows how to make intercession for your country. And I don't care what kind of country you live in. It could be a a prosperous country, maybe like Germany. could be a very unprosperous, like Venezuela right now. But God is God everywhere. God does not change. God prefers that your nation worship God. And He is calling for this army all around the world to gather together and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us like a river. I'm just encouraging you to come. And whenever you can. And then pray at home. And let those groanings escape. Yes, sir. Somebody sent me this. It's It's by Dave. In between the services. This is from the Born Again Trail. Dave says, you want to know why the reward system in heaven is so different? Because some of you will take what he did and tear up the world. He means in a good way. Some of you will lay on your bed and barely make it to church. And in God's tender mercies, he has made a place in heaven for both of you. I love our pastor. I love our pastor. You want me to read that again? That's pretty good, isn't it? I don't know who transcribed that. 
He says, you want to know why the reward system in heaven is so different? Because some of you will take what he, what he did and tear up the world. <laughs> and some of you will lay on your bed and barely make it to church. And in God's tender mercies, he has made a place in heaven for both of you. There was a friend here one time many years ago that uh, he was talking about these things, about the rewards in heaven. He says, I don't know exactly how it's going to work. All I know is when I get to heaven, I don't want him to have to hand me a pair of binoculars where I go, I think I see the Lord <laughs> to be so far away. <laughs> I've never forgot that. <laughs> I think I don't want that either. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Go to Luke 17 for a moment. Now, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a prophet. I'm really not. Everybody knows that. I thank God there are prophets in the earth. That God speaks the end from the beginning. He did show me a vision one time. Uh, and, of course, knowing my engineering background, God talks to you. He knows everything about you, so He talks in ways you can get it. See, and I have just enough physics and engineering to be dangerous. <laughs> but I have enough in me he can use it for images, you know. And one, You know, there is no time where God is. So time is definitely a created thing. So when he says he sees the end from the beginning, one time I saw God. Okay, you know how visions are. To me, God was huge and he had time in his hand. And time was a, looked like a bracelet. It looked like a circle. Okay. I knew what it was. It was time. And when he says he sees the end from the beginning, see, when God truly prophesies, he's not guessing. He looks. <laughs> he sees the end from the beginning. It's not guessing. <laughs> so, you, can, you know, what I'm about to read in Luke is about the end time. And he, he gives us hints about how bad it was going to be. See, uh, I'm not a prophet. I don't know how near we are to his return. I really don't. In the same way, I think Hitler was a foretaste of the Antichrist that will come. I think that Antichrist will make Hitler look like a choir boy. Myself. But he's a foretaste. It wasn't the end. I'm sure the people thought it was the end. I don't know if this is the end or not. But I know what Jesus said in Luke seventeen twenty six. He said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. If we went back to Genesis, which I don't think it's the lesson for today, you've heard that taught before. How God looked out on mankind and it, He actually says He wished He hadn't made man. Isn't that something? He said every thought of the heart was evil and wicked continuously. He only found one man. He, God let it go down to where He had only one man left in His house. There were eight, eight people. That survived into the new world. 
you got to remember, Noah, pre, he took him right at 100 years, some say 120, but let's say 100 years, to build the ark. The New Testament says he was a preacher of righteousness. Now don't you know as that ark is being built, you can't hide this thing. This is not something you can build in the basement. No, this thing, if you I haven't been to that museum in the, where they had the replica of the ark, but I've, I've been on the website. And it's, it's huge. It's like a battleship, this thing. It's huge. Well, that's going to draw crowds. People are going to come to see. And for a hundred years, Noah preached righteousness. I love how Dave did it. I mean, Dave was, you know, the primo. He said, well, what do you mean preaching righteousness? What, was it, what would Noah's message have been? Judgment is coming. And the whole world, it says, all of them was wicked and the, the thought of every person's mind was evil continually. And for a hundred years, basically the prophet Noah stood up and said, you better repent. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. A hundred years. And Dave, he would he'd say, can you imagine where you've been faithful to obey God and preach His message for a hundred years and not have one single convert? Nobody got on the boat with him. Nobody got on the boat with him. Not an uncle, not even a blood relative, not a cousin. Can you talk about merciful hundred years of preaching? And then Dave starts talking about, see, it wasn't Noah that closed the door. They went in the ark because God told them to, and it said God closed the door. I dislike doing funerals. Think, I think everybody would understand why, you know. It's easier when you know for sure where they went, went to heaven. But whether they went to heaven or not, he's always had me include this line, or at least for the last 10 years. Somewhere in that service, I'm going to say, there are no unbelievers beyond the grave. The rich man thought he was okay, the one that wouldn't give Lazarus a crumb. He thought he was in covenant with God. And I know he was stunned because it says in hell. He opened his eyes and he was in hell. I said, beyond the grave, everybody knows the truth then. Just like he did. But it's just too late. God is merciful and he gave them a preacher of righteousness for a hundred years. Giving them space to repent. Just like it says in the book of Revelations. With Jezebel and her followers. He gave them space to repent. But space to repent doesn't mean forever. So the day came and God decided it. It wasn't Noah. He had them get in the boat. And it said God closed the door. God closed it up. And Dave preaching on that. And the rain began to fall which had never fallen before. They didn't even know what rain was. 
said uh, the, water, the earth was watered by a mist that came up out of the ground up until then. But the rain began to fall, and Dave, oh, he did a good job of mental pictures. At first, it would startle him, water falling out of the sky. Didn't Noah talk about that? But then as it kept getting deeper, and it kept getting deeper, and you, you've got children. Dave says, well, it gets to be about waist deep. Can you see the crowds coming towards the ark? Can you imagine them beginning to bang on the outside? Let us in. Let us in. We're sorry. You need to repent while the door is open. Talking to me. He's talking to you. He's talking to everybody listening. We are in these days. I don't know how near the end we really are. But I know this. These are the days like Noah. Wickedness abounds like I've never seen it in my 74 years. And if you are involved in any kind of sin, this is the time to get out of it now. The Lord is merciful and long-suffering. He says to the backslider, Oh, return unto me, O backslider. I will abundantly pardon. I will receive you. Be honest and confess what you've done and forsake it. This is the hour. And as if that's not enough, see, before I pass there now, notice, they heard preaching about righteousness for a hundred years, but they kept right on doing the same sin they'd been doing until the very day that the flood came. Then it was too late. All right, he goes on with another example, Jesus does. In verse 28, likewise, in the same way, as it was in the days of Lot. Now you can go back and you can read that story. It's all about homosexuality. It's all about sodomy. I just read it again recently. and it, y'all, y'all, If you don't read it after a while, you forget how depraved. It, it, I mean, that spirit that drives them those two angels came to Sodom and Lot received them into his house and but people saw him come in the, the men saw him come in and so it says they were crowding the house and trying to break down the door to let us have these men that we may have our way with them I'm trying to keep everything clean well skipping over a lot of stuff at one point, the angels, the two angels, smite all those people with blindness. Now, you would think you'd get a clue. You'd think, you know, get a clue. But it says they all the more. That spirit drove them and drove them and drove them. Give us these men. Give us these men. And you got to be careful, because it does say about Lot that living there vexed his righteous soul. Okay, got to be careful where you live, because it'll influence your family. Remember, Jesus says here Himself. I don't know if it's in this passage. Oh, yes, it is. Okay. In fact, so we'll just read. Talking about Lot's wife, that same perversion had creeped into her. She, they were told not to look back. Okay. 
Let's read it. Likewise also at what, verse 28, Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. In other words, life's just going on. They're living in their perversion. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. Let him not come down to take it away. And he that's in the field, let him likewise not return back. But notice this. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Something in her still desired something from that lifestyle. And when she turned around to look, she became a pillar of salt. Now we're going to go one step farther. I'm going to do it as gently as I can. Lot had two daughters that were married, but were still virgins. That tells you a lot. Okay. Now their husbands apparently died in the judgment. Okay. And the wife died. She turned into a pillar of salt. So now you've got Lot and his two daughters. Let me do this correctly. Now I'm just trying to show that you've got to be careful what you live around. Because it got in these daughters also. Perversion was in them too. First off, they say, well, there's not a man that could uh, cause us to have child. Okay. But that's not true anyway. There's lots of, there's lots of men on the earth. They just wasn't right there because of the judgment. But regardless of that, they had this from the inside. They wound up participating with their father and both of them became pregnant. Perversion. By the way, their offspring became Moab was one of them and another one. I can't think of right now, but certainly was not godly seed. Let's say it that way. They were a thorn in the side of Israel forever. Now, why am I saying that? Well, because of what Peter said. So go over to Second Peter chapter 2. Every form of media, it's, it's not just the preachers. He's talking here about false teachers. And there's plenty of that going on in the church. But right now, every form of media that you can think of is false teaching. And there's indoctrination in it. And I want to name names, even things like the Disney Channel and things like Nickelodeon. And they're showing uh, to little kids. They know, they know who their audience is. They're these little kids that are watching this stuff. And they're going to have things about my two dads and my two moms and so forth. And commercials, God forbid there's a commercial. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were false prophets among also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. And I'm expanding it now, not just in church, although there's plenty of that. Did you know? Okay. Right here in our own city, there is a split between the two biggest Methodist churches in this town. And the biggest one, the oldest one, with the big fancy architecture downtown, they're, they're no problem with homosexual marriages. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that. I didn't say that. So I know who you, I knew who it was. 
in the pulpit, sanctifying what God calls abomination. You talk about false teachers and false prophets. But I'm warning, I'm putting out a warning, I feel like a preacher of righteousness today. You better watch everything. I mean, everything, what your kids are watching. Because the indoctrination is in all of it. There shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. What is damnable heresies? You go to hell if you believe this. If you believe this and practice this, you'll be damned. That's what it means. Even denying the Lord that bought them. Now they do, a lot of them do it in Jesus' name. It's not that they deny Jesus as Lord, but they are denying His teachings. They're going against the Word of God. And bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Boy, that's for sure. You stand up and tell what's the, what the Bible says about these alternate forms of marriage. You're called a bigot. You're the bad person. You're the hater. You're the racist. The, the way of truth is evil spoken of. How dare you say there's absolutes? Well, because thy word is truth. That is absolute. You don't, get, you don't get to choose what sin is. God chooses that. God tells us what sin is. Verse 2 again. Many shall follow their pernicious ways by reasons of, of whom the truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness, let me, and through greed shall they with feigned plastic words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingers not and their damnation slumbers not. Uh, That's pretty straight. And then look at the examples. He gives three examples here. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So there's one. Even the angels that sided with Lucifer and fought against God, God did not spare them, did He? Oh, you poor little angels. You got all deceived, didn't you? No, He didn't spare them. Verse 6. No, verse 5. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Third example. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow. Why did he do that? Making them an example unto those that after should live godly. He plainly says what he did to them. He did it for an example to anybody who ever thought it would be okay to live that same lifestyle. It's not okay. 
Fire and brimstone is pretty descriptive of where you're going. Pretty descriptive, pretty easy. But right now, the leadership in America is preaching all these things. I heard it said yesterday or day before by somebody. You know, in America, on holidays, a mother gets a day. Right? Mother's Day. Father gets a day. You get a day at your birthday. <laughs> Pride gets a month. Pride month. Everywhere you go, you can't even go buy a Starbucks. Can't, can't do anything without indoctrination. I mean, this nation, the, the leadership right now is full bore on tearing up, trying to destroy the foundations of this nation. And trust me, they're coming after you. It's not going to stop. They're coming after you. So I want to read the last of this prophecy again. The hand of the Lord is upon those who will listen. And at the urge of God in the Spirit, to those who are attentive, they will. What? They will what? Do you all remember? They will pray. That's the first thing God has called us to now. Well, not the, fir the first thing during this purging of fire. Get the sin out of your life. Then get the weights out of your life. Weights are not necessarily sin, but they'll sure slow you down. You're trying to finish your course and run your race. It's hard to do with 25-pound weights around each ankle. Thud, thud. But the hand of the Lord is upon those who will listen. At, and at the urge of God in the Spirit to those who are attentive, they will pray. The Spirit of God will help you to pray. Yes, I'm going to Romans 8.26, so I can say it perfectly. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I'm calling a, an army of people to pray. And He says, don't try to do it yourself. The Spirit of God will help you. I don't know how much more descriptive He could be. Pray in other tongues. Let the Holy Ghost make intercession through you. And though there must be labor on your part, yet at the same time rest in Him. Let the Spirit flow through you like a river. Like a mighty wave, let it flow through you. Give vent to those innermost groanings. Let them escape your lips. Take the time to get alone and wait. Sometimes not even saying anything, but on the inside of you there is an agonizing. There is a flowing out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit to the great spirit, the father of spirits. And thou shalt be sustained. He hasn't taken his hand off of us. Thou shalt be sustained. Thou shalt be kept and thy family and thy home will be sure and stand fast. Thy children shall grow up strong and stalwart in the Lord. And they shall have no fear. In the early service, 
I shared with them something the Lord's been saying to me today, mainly today. You remember that time when he walked to me, he just walked through the wall right between those two speakers. I was preaching. No, just walk in on my message. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. You just, but I'm just preaching. And it's like he just walked right over here, stood right about there, put his finger right on the Bible and said, I want to be believed. The title of this morning's message, It's Time to Believe. He has been training us all of these years how to do this. I feel like I should preach out of the book of Esther because we were born for such a time as this. See, this isn't the first time that the enemy's tried to destroy a nation. He tried to destroy Israel during Esther's lifetime. And they had the plan pretty well laid out. You can read all about Haman and Mordecai and the gallows and... He had all of this planned out. His, he was fully intending to wipe them off the face of the earth like the enemy right now wants to wipe the United States off the face of the earth as we know it, a nation that serves God. But just like God had a plan then, God has a plan now. But he needs his people to not just do nothing. See, Esther, she had to be encouraged. Mordecai had to get in her face, if you'll allow me, and say, you were born for such a time as this. It was a risk to her to approach the king without him first giving the scepter for her to come. She approached him anyway, knowing it could mean her death. Sometimes obeying God is dangerous to your natural man. That's why Jesus said, if you love your life, you've got, you've got to love him more than you love your own life. Also, if you lose your life for his sake, you'll find it. Well, she had to risk her own life to approach the king the way she did, but it wound up saving the nation. And if we'll do what he's told us to do, clean our own house, make sure that sin is out of our individual camp, make sure that we if there's weights, let's get rid of those things. We don't have time for that right now. And let us gather together and let the Holy Ghost flow like a river through us, make intercession for this land. Then if he does call you to do something like... It could be anything. Be on the school board. Boy, we need voices right now. That'll stay. When they start saying, we're going to teach your kids that maybe they, to think maybe a boy is a girl and a girl maybe is a boy, somebody's got to stand up and say no. That's called being salt and light. And if they boo and shout, jump for joy for the persecution. You've been counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. When he said, be, the, be salt and be light, it was to change the culture. It, it was to, so you have godly doctors, godly engineers, godly politicians, godly sheriffs, godly school teachers, godly everything, salt and light everywhere. But we kind of retreated into the church. And what's happened, the enemy has almost by default taken this nation. But thank God the story didn't end there. I thank God this, he tells us exactly what to do. I'm going to head for Romans 4. We might be closing. <laughs> I don't want to lie in church or anywhere. Romans 4. I'm going to give you a little bit of a synopsis of this morning's message just real quick. See, faith only works one way. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
It is the evidence of things not seen. Well, if you look around the room right now, what you see with your natural eye is a lot of empty chairs. And if you focus on that, and that becomes the image that you have, that's no hope, really. That's You're just seeing what is. Then if you start talking, well, I'll tell you, you know, it's all the reasons why that. Now, you're giving voice to what the enemy's doing. When God wants to change, when God does something supernatural, the first thing He has to change is your hope. I really wish you listened to this morning's message, the 830 service, because He's not going to let me reteach that again. But He's changing our hope. He had me go back to a prophecy from 2018 that says this. I will give you this for your image. First off, massage your hoper. Hope is where you see, right? On the inside, hope, that's where you see what the possibilities. In that prophecy from 2018, it says, this building, it was very specific, this building, there will not be a vacant seat in it. He said there will be standing room only around the walls. The altars will be full of people to get saved. He said healings will be happening in one section while deliverances are happening in another section. That's the word of the Lord to this church. That's the hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We've got to start seeing that. He has trained us on purpose for years how to do this. And then get your lips involved like he did Abraham. Romans 4. Verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. See, it's all God's grace. To the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now here was Abraham's promise. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now when God said that to Abraham, Abram, he didn't have a, him and Sarah had not had a child together. But yet God's calling it like it's already done. I have made you a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope. What in the world does that mean? Against hope believed in hope. See, in the natural there was no hope. Abraham is 99. Sarah is 90. And and it tells you that it's past the time of the way of women with her. So there's no egg to even fertilize. And Abram, we're no, we know for sure he's not quite the hot rod he was when he was younger. Because when God told Sarah she's going to have a baby by Abram, she laughed. Absolutely laughed. Shall I have pleasure again from my husband in my old age? Come on, we know what that means. So when it says he's believing God to quicken the dead, he's not talking about the resurrection. He's talking about God doing something in their bodies. Have you ever heard of a woman? A woman who stopped ovulating, start again? I never have heard of that. God made that to happen. God rejuvenated Abraham's body. I wish I'd have brought my notes. Not only did him and Sarah have Isaac. Sarah lived for 30-ish years after all that. And after she passed, Abraham got married again. And I think it was six more kids. 
Might be. I think this. This man got quickened. Got quickened. You hear me? But he started off laughing. He thought it was, and Sarah did too. When she heard the Lord say about this time next year, Sarah's going to have a baby, she laughed. So that should give us hope that they didn't start off in great faith. But see, the thing of it is, when God gave them the hope, which was the stars, your number shall, your seed shall number like the stars of heaven, they kept that hope. These chairs, every single one of them will be filled. There'll be standing room only around the walls. The altars will be full of people getting saved and healings will be going over in one section and deliverances in another section. That is the word of the Lord. Can you hope? Starts with a decision. Are you going to see that? See, that's not enough. That's hope. But faith is the substance. And in order to activate faith, God had to change what Abraham and Sarah said. The Holy Spirit always works with words. In the beginning, God said. The Holy Spirit was already there. He was already brooding over the waters. He's omniscient and omni... He knows everything. (laughs) He knew God wanted light. He's there able to make light, but He's not doing nothing. Why? He's waiting for the words. Light be. And light was. I say revival. Be. And revival's coming. Revival's coming. We've got to get that vision on the inside of us now. That's our hope. And I mean get our mouth and gear in line with that. Now that's just our little part in the revival. That's going to happen all over the world. Did I get the verse? Verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become. And if he hadn't have chosen to do that, if if he had just kept looking at an empty crib in their tent, they never would have had Isaac. Against hope, he believed in hope. He had to make a choice. I can believe that empty crib. I can believe these empty chairs. Or I can believe what God showed me about the stars of heaven. And I can believe that every seat will be filled and multitudes coming to the altar. I'm going to choose hope that God gives. I'm going to choose that vision. And in verse 19, they didn't start off this way, but they became that way. Being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now he knew the facts. Truth changes facts. He considered not. He made a choice to consider it not. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. And not, not for his sake alone that it was imputed, but to us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. We do believe on him. Amen. Amen. So we know what to do. Number one, in the prophecy, he says, let the Spirit of God flow through you like a river. Don't try and figure this out yourself. Let the Holy Spirit help you. 
That to me, that means praying in other tongues. And I just invite you to come as much as you can. There is something to corporate prayer. I pray at home too, okay? But I'm here, and anybody that comes knows I'm here as much as I can be. But the other part of what he's calling us to do is change what we're seeing. Do not be moved by what you see. Be moved by what he said. Listen to the 830 service. I read that whole prophecy during the 830 where he talked about that. And then say what God says. For the love of God, do not be bad-mouthing your home, your country, or your church. Hallelujah. Father, finally, I think I feel a release, Lord. Feel a release. Father, we thank you for the United States of America. You thank him for the country where you live. Father, we declare that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Father, we we are going to surrender to what you spoke by the mouth of your prophet all the way back in 1980. We're going to do what you said. We're going to allow your spirit to help us. To let your prayers generated by the Holy Ghost flow through us like a river. But Father, we're also going to do like you taught Abraham and Sarah. We're going to hold the vision that you gave to this church. Every seat full, standing room only, altars packed, healings and deliverances going on every service, which probably be continual services then. And Father, we, we also bind ourselves to guard our mouth that we do not speak contrary to that which you have spoken. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you agree with that, you can say, Amen, Amen. amen. God bless America. And I pray that America now blesses God. America needs to bless God. Let's do that. Father, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. You are the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Father, we declare this nation belongs to you. Father, we declare that it is a city set on a hill. That, Father, that this nation repents and returns unto you. That it is one nation under God. That we honor you, fear you, and serve you. You are our hope. We love you, Lord. We pray that God blesses America, and we pray that America blesses God. We want you to be glad that you made this country. In Jesus' name, amen.